0: Oh, and welcome to another episode of music and therapy with relationship coach kiana w mitchell i am your host kiana w mitchell well i hope everyone had an awesome weekend and that you're having an amazing week and an amazing day we are going to start something new on the podcast and i'm going to start calling it the recap session and i'm going to do that because i notice sometimes in a podcast we'll talk about something before and then we'll move on to the next thing but i think it'll be good to think about what we talked about the week before so if you have any questions or any Thing that you want to discuss about it, or if you missed that episode, you'll know to go back and listen to it. So, we are going to start a new segment called The Recap, and we're going to do that at the beginning of every podcast episode so that even if you didn't hear it, you will know, Oh, this is what they talked about last week, and you can always go back last week and listen to it instead of seeing it later on and then have to go four or five podcasts back to listen. You can just go to the week before listen to it and hear the episode that you missed. Now last week on the podcast we talked about how to support a spouse who would be dealing with depression or suicidal thoughts and here are some of the takeaways from that episode. The first takeaway that I got was be there. So many times we are so busy trying to fix people's problems and make it all better and Sometimes you just can't make it all better. You can't just fix the issues that your spouse or partner is going through. And so sometimes when people are going through a depressive episode, you can't fix it. You can't make them feel better. There's nothing you can do except be there. And sometimes being there for someone is the best thing that you can do. Like you don't even have to say anything sometimes. You can just be there. They can cry on your shoulder. They can talk to you. They can vent. Whatever they need from you or whatever they need to do it's important that you just be there for them so that they can feel safe and they can feel secure and know that they have somebody who's in their corner. Because sometimes when people are going through depression, it seems like there's nobody there for them. They may feel lonely and isolated, but if they know that they have you and that you are there, then it will make everything a lot better. The second takeaway that I got was to encourage treatment. Encouraging treatment, as I said last week, is not nagging someone to go to treatment. Many times people who are going through a depressive episode, they may know that they're depressed, but they may not know how depressed they are. They may not know how it's affecting them. So from you, for you, the person on the outside looking in, you may see how it's having such a huge impact on their lives and how they're unable to do anything because of their depression. So it's important for you to be the person to encourage treatment. And here's the thing. Encouraging treatment doesn't mean nag, 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 nag. Encouraging treatment is just a loving conversation, just stating how you see that they're hurting, how they're going through some things, how it's affecting them, and then you can encourage them you know, to go to treatment. Maybe it can help you feel better. Something like that. And if they don't take it the first time, okay, that's fine. But keep encouraging. Don't nag them. Don't try to force them into anything. But keep being loving and encouraging and letting them know that you're there for them and you care. So that is the takeaway that I got to encourage treatment. Instead of nagging people to go, forcing people to go, but encourage treatment. Because the more you encourage them to get treatment, the more receptive they would be if it's done in a loving, encouraging way instead of a forceful way. And finally, my last takeaway that I got was to know the warning signs of suicide. And this is so important because the risk of suicide is always elevated during major depressive disorder. So it's important to know the red flags and then get immediate Medical assistance, and like I said last week, you would rather be safe than sorry. So, if your spouse or your partner or your significant other tells you, Hey, I just want to die, I just want to commit suicide, I just don't want to be here, you have to take these things seriously. You can't just say, Oh, they're just depressed, that's why they're saying it. Yeah, they are depressed, and that is why they're saying it, but you need to take it seriously and not just disregard it. So, I'm briefly going to go over some of the signs of suicide just in case you have forgotten from last week so some of the warning signs of suicide include talking about suicide getting a means or a way to attempt suicide such as purchasing a gun or stockpiling pills extreme mood swings from very high one day and deeply discouraged the next social withdrawal preoccupation with the thoughts of death noticeable changes in normal daily routines feeling overwhelmed with hopelessness, engaging in risky or self-destructive behavior, which includes drug or alcohol abuse or reckless driving, giving away belongings, saying goodbye, getting affairs in order, or developing personality changes. And then I also added last week that some other warning signs to look for if someone's extremely depressed and then all of a sudden they're really happy and they seem like they have no kids in the world that's a sign because sometimes people who have made up their minds that they're going to commit suicide they're no longer sad because they have a way out they see a light at the end of the tunnel so if you have your spouse and one day they're really really sad and depressed and things are bad and all of a sudden they're really happy and life is going great they could be getting better But you should still view that as a warning sign because it could be a sign that they've already committed mentally to committing suicide. So these are just some signs to watch out for. And for you guys who missed last week's episode, you can go back and listen to last week's episode and it's called How to Support a Spouse Who is Dealing with Depression. This week on the podcast, we are going to find out if you are stonewalling in your marriage and what you can do to stop this vicious cycle. A while back, I did a podcast episode about Gottman and the Four Horsemen, and in this podcast episode, I mentioned stonewalling, but I did not go into a lot of detail about what stonewalling was or that it has the potential to erode the foundation of your marriage. So today we are going to discuss what stonewalling is and some ways to recognize if you are stonewalling in your marriage and what to do if you or your spouse use stonewalling as a defense mechanism. Stonewalling in relationships is a behavior that can be described as the act of employing delaying strategies. The person who stonewalls another avoids confrontation or refuses to acknowledge the other person's concerns. So here are some examples. Some of the common examples of this behavior can be seen in married couples. So this is where one partner stonewalls the other. So the partner who stonewalls the other one may dismiss the other person's feelings or walk out in the middle of dialogue. Usually in such circumstances, the discussion may end before any fruitful results can be achieved. So wondering what stonewalling is in terms of how it shows and words and actions would be something like this. Here are some examples of phrases that people will use when stonewalling in relationships. Um, they would say something like, "I don't want to talk right now," or "That's it," or it might sound like, "I've had enough," or "Don't start all over again," or "End the discussion." Leave me alone. Go away. I don't want to listen to anything right now. So it's important to note that stonewalling is very different from taking a break because when a person takes a break, they take time out to self-reflect on the situation. And this is very beneficial because you have some time to reflect and think and then go back to the discussion with a more rational frame of mind. But people who stonewall, they do not intend to go back. There's no thought process involved. They just want to get out of the situation, avoid the situation, and not deal with it at all. So some of the basic signs of stonewalling could be something like ignoring what the, your partner is saying, changing the subject when the topic is uncomfortable or serious, storming off in the middle of an argument or conversation, coming up with reasons not to engage in conversation, refusing to listen or answer your partner's questions, accusing your partner instead of addressing the problem at hand so what you'll do is you'll attack your partner instead of address the problem or you can use body language such as rolling your eyes hand gestures or crossing your arms to let them know you're not interested in what they have to say you can also procrastinate conversations about serious matters so instead of dealing with it then you can just say well we'll talk about it later but you know later never comes stonewalling is not just one type. There are two types of stonewalling, and this is important to remember. So there's intentional stonewalling, and then there's unintentional stonewalling. So unintentional stonewalling, this can happen as a result to things that happen to children or people in their childhood. And so now that they've grown up, they just don't know how to cope with situations and they don't know how to deal. And so when they feel flooded or all these emotions are coming and they can't deal with stressful situations, they use it as a defense mechanism. And so they stonewall, which means they're putting up a wall. They're getting away from the situation because it's making them uncomfortable, scared, or afraid or angry so they don't know how to deal with the situation so they leave the situation at all and don't want anything to deal with it some people stonewall because they don't want to fight at all and so if they see that their partner wants to bring up something serious to talk about a problem or that it could be confrontational they will do anything in their power to avoid an argument or a fight which would result in stonewalling. stonewalling that is unintentional is not intended to hurt you or manipulate their partner but is only used to avoid any type of confrontation that may lead to heated discussions or uncomfortable situations now intentional stonewalling is different intentional stonewalling is usually when someone is trying to gaslight you or they are trying to manipulate you to do certain things so let's say your partner asks wants you to do something Let's say they want you to go out or wear something or do something you really don't feel like doing. And you're like, no, I don't feel like doing it. So what will they do? They'll give you the silent treatment. They won't talk to you. They ignore you. They'll act like you don't even exist. And they will do this until you agree to do what they want. That's intentional stonewalling. And that is damaging to you. It is a form of um, emotional abuse. And that is what happens when people use stonewalling intentionally to control you. Now since stonewalling is a complex issue and sometimes it can be hard to identify and it can be confused sometimes with someone just being upset and not wanting to talk at that moment. Here are some examples of stonewalling that will make the difference clear. Stonewalling is something that doesn't just happen. It has been happening the whole relationship. So I think a good way to recognize if your spouse is stonewalling you is if you just know they, notice their pattern of behavior. So if you're in an argument and your spouse is just like, I don't want to talk about it right now. I just can't deal with this. And they storm off in the middle of the conversation. But that's their habit. And you know that once they think about it, they come back and they talk. That's not stonewalling. However, if you notice that every time you're in a confrontation or you're having a serious um, conversation and they don't want to talk about it and they walk off and they never come back to address the issue or resolve it that's a form of stonewalling if you try to have a conversation with them and they just immediately get frustrated and refuse to talk about it or just walk away or just start giving you silent treatment and ignoring you and this happens all the time that's stonewalling but if your spouse is frustrated about something, they just don't want to talk and they just won't say anything but come back and talk later, that's not stonewalling. So I think the best thing to do is look at their pattern of behavior and if they come back and if they talk to you about what the problem is, then that is not stonewalling. They just need some time and that is normal. But if they never come back and they never talk to you about what's going on or ever try to resolve the issue, then definitely that is stonewalling. Now stonewalling has many ways to affect your relationship and all of them are negative. So don't think that stonewalling is a good thing because it's not. So in many cases where stonewalling in relationship is a regular feature, like I said earlier, it can be a form of psychological abuse. Stonewalling can lead one partner feeling very vulnerable. And after you understand what stonewalling is, you must also know the effects of stonewalling on any marital relationship and is always derogatory. Many times when a person stonewalls their spouse, the spouse experiences stress and anxiety. Sometimes the spouse may also use silent treatment because that's the only way they know how to deal in the situation. Partners who stonewall may feel humiliated to the extent that they question their self-worth. It can lead to resentment and frustration in the relationship. And this is never a good thing because you're frustrated in the relationship and you have no way to talk about it. This is why a lot of people who stonewall, this is also a predictor of divorce. People who get divorced have a high tendency to stonewall and never resolve the issue or talk about the situation. This is a key predictor of divorce. And this is according to research. Research shows that stonewalling is a key predictor to divorce. Stonewalling could also affect your physical health. Now, for the person who is stonewalled, the person dealing with stonewalling, it can be challenging. They can feel diminished, confused, angry, all at the same time. And they won't know what to do because most of the time you can talk about situations. And if you can talk about situations, that is also always the best way to go. And in relationships, you're going to argue it's normal. You're going to have disagreements. It's normal. You're not going to agree about everything because as I always say, you are two different people coming from two different backgrounds. You have two different philosophies, way of life. You have different morals and values. Even though they can be similar, they're not exactly the same. So you're going to have disagreements. But if you never deal with them and you ignore your partner and you don't want to talk about it or you don't open up and create a safe environment to talk about these issues or deal with the conflicts, then you will never get a chance to fix them and then the marriage will eventually end as a result of not dealing with the issue at hand. So now that you know what stonewalling is and you know what it causes, here's what you can do to begin to fix it. So if you find that you're a stonewaller in your relationship, then the first step would be for the stonewaller to identify and acknowledge the behavior. So if you're the stonewaller, acknowledge that, hey, I stonewall my spouse and I'm the reason, you know, we don't talk. I need to work on that. And if you're not, then your spouse needs to recognize that, oh, I stonewall, this is what I do. And it's good to know because they could be doing it just because they don't know how to react and deal with conflict or they want to avoid confrontation. So they stonewall because that's just... What feels good to them to get out of an uncomfortable situation? So they identify what they're doing. Then they can also identify why they're doing it. Because there's always a why. You don't just do things. You do things because. I remember when I was a kid, I was so intrigued when I learned about cause and effect. Because I was like, oh, so this happened, which was the cause. And this was the effect. And this is what they did. So a lot of times, we are always reacting to situations instead of being proactive. We are reactors by nature. And so many times stonewalling is just a reaction to an uncomfortable situation or a situation that they cannot deal with emotionally. So if you identify you're a stonewaller and you know that you are the stonewaller, then acknowledge the behavior and then you can find out why you are stonewalling and what causes you to feel uncomfortable and then maybe you can learn how to deal with In with unpleasant situations or how to deal with conflict in a healthy way if your spouse is a stonewaller they can do the same thing once they identify they're the stonewaller they can acknowledge their behavior accept their behavior and then figure out why am i stonewalling why don't i like confrontation what is making me so uncomfortable i can't talk about this and then they can begin to work on finding ways to communicate and deal with confrontation now if you find your partner uncomfortable talking about something at a time don't go any further don't annoy them don't pester them don't do any of those things and it can be frustrating if you want to talk and your partner does not want to talk about some things but sometimes you need to give it space let them have their space that they need especially if they're known to be a stonewaller and then come back at another time to talk about it because pestering is not going to get you any closer to reaching the desired goal or result that you have in mind. Now, your partner might want to maintain silent treatment as usual. And because you are frustrated, you may want to talk about it and go ahead. But if they want to have silent treatment and they don't want to say anything, if they're the stonewaller, then let them have that moment. Let them calm down and let them figure out what they need to do. Give them a break so that you both can cool down during this break And you can maybe carry on the discussion when you're both in a receptive mood. And sometimes it's better to talk about things when it's not such a huge issue at that moment. Because whenever you talk about something and it's like a major issue at that moment, of course tensions are going to run high. You're gonna be angry. It's gonna seem confrontational. But maybe you can try to talk about it in a relaxed environment. When you're not angry about it, when there's not a problem, you can just talk about the issue at hand. Not the issue at hand, but talk about what happened. Make it light. Make it, um, try not to make it confrontational so that maybe you can talk about it. One of the best things to do when you're tackling stonewalling in your relationships is to get professional help. And this is important. Because if you get professional help, it can do so many things. Now, of course, with trial and error, you would figure some of these things out. But, of course, there would be a lot of anger involved, a lot of frustration. But, you you know, with trial and error, you could figure things out. But if you get the help of a counselor, then you can figure it out sooner than later. It won't be such a huge issue where your marriage is on the line because of all the conflict. You will be able to talk about it with a counselor. And deal with the problem now a good option if you are in an area where you cannot go and see a counselor or maybe your jobs will not allow you both to be off at the same time to see a counselor there are many options that are available to us now that was not available to us years ago and so you may want to seek the help of an online counselor because Online marriage counseling can help or courses can help, but you can do all of this from the comfort of your own home and you can sort out these issues in your relationship in a healthy way and you can learn how to create a healthy environment in your marriage for conflict. So these are just some suggestions and it's important to understand what stonewalling is because it is so critical that you deal with it. Stonewalling can affect you in everything that you do. And it could definitely affect your marriage and tear it down. And as I said before, it is the number one predictor that your marriage will end in divorce. So if you are stonewalling or your spouse is stonewalling, you need to figure out what the issue is, acknowledge the stonewalling, figure out what it is and why you're doing it so that you can fix the why you're doing it so that you can make sure you can move forward in your relationship in a happy and healthy manner. The song we're going to be listening to today is called The Same Old Thing. And it's about a couple who's going through a relationship issue and they keep doing the same thing. And I picked this song specifically because sometimes when they are stonewalling in a relationship, it is the same thing over and over. You deal with the same problems because you can never fix them because they're stonewalling and it's almost like you're going in a vicious cycle. So, here is the song, The Same Old Thing. So- Now before I end the podcast, I would like to thank our sponsors, Improve Your Marriage While Improving Yourself. That's my amazing new course that is coming up. It's a year-long intensive about how to improve your marriage and in the process, improve yourself. There's a link in the show notes. Click on that so that you can pre-enroll or pre-register for this course. I would also like to let you know, if you would like to schedule a coaching call with me, you can also click on the link in the show notes and you can do that as well. If there's anything you want to talk about, because I noticed that there are a lot of times when I finish the podcast that you may have some questions or you may want to talk in more detail about what you're going through and try to figure out how to deal with your situations. If that is you, then feel free to schedule a coaching call with me and I will have the link in the show notes. I also want to thank you guys so much for listening and for being listeners of the podcast. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your time. And I simply enjoy just hanging out with you. Now, if you enjoy hanging out with me as much as I enjoy hanging out with you, then I encourage you to share the podcast with a friend, follow the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure to leave a review. Because I would absolutely love to hear what you think about the podcast and know what I can do to help you. If you guys would like to get in contact with me, all of my social media is there in the show notes. So click on the links, join me on social media, and you can definitely get in contact with me. I think that is all for today. Um, if you guys need to contact me, feel free to contact me on Facebook, uh, Instagram. I promise you, if you leave me a message, I will definitely get in contact with you. All right. Well, until we talk again next Wednesday, have an amazing day. Enjoy your weekend, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Okay. Oh, yeah.